If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 11, we'll be continuing our series, Teach Us to Pray. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Luke 11, verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may have a seat. good to be here with y'all this morning. I know we have a number uh, joining us this morning online, uh, my family as well, as some, uh, you know, these days with COVID, if you have a sniffle or you have a cough or if your eyes itch, you better stay home and not be around people. So uh, we continue to ask you to do that out of respect um, for health, the health of our church, the safety of our church, and we're grateful for those that um, are at home and tuning in and are protecting us by staying at home. So I do want to acknowledge you that are watching online. Thanks for being here and joining us this morning. Uh, just two announcements this morning, this evening, uh, at, tonight at uh, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. I believe, is that right, Miss? Down in the Fellowship Hall. The ladies will gather for uh, a study uh, through prayer. And part of that study is they'll be reading the book, but they also be spending a majority of time praying as they pray through the book. So please join them this evening. Uh, at 6 o'clock down in the fellowship hall, see myself or Miss Patty. Uh, Susan's not here this morning that I see, uh, but uh, if you need to contact her, I have her contact info uh, with me, so please find me after the service. Also, I want to say thank you so much for your prayers, uh, your text messages, your phone calls. Uh, last weekend when Jenny and I and the family were uh, back in South Carolina with Jan Jenny's grandmother passing away, uh, your Phone calls, your text messages, um, just what you said on Facebook meant a lot to, to Jenny and I. Your, the flowers that you sent, uh, they were beautiful. So thank you again. Uh, it's good to have a church family that cares so much a, about us. If I can just care a tenth of how much y'all care for me, I'm moving in the right direction. So thanks for caring for us uh, again. And lastly, as we've been doing, we'll continue to pray through uh, the month of September and on. But for this month, we're praying that God would bring us a youth pastor. We've been praying and asking God uh, three things as it pertains to a youth pastor, that uh, God would raise someone in our midst. There was someone that did Sunday school for the youth this morning. My prayer is that that person, he'll remain nameless, uh, will hear the call that everyone is like saying that he's called to. He just hadn't heard what every one of us has uh, heard him say yet. So that's my prayer at least. Uh, his name will re remain nameless. Uh, he does play the piano every Sunday. I'm not saying names, though. Uh, if that's not the case, if someone here in our midst uh, doesn't hear the Lord speak to them, uh, then we, uh, would a we're asking that God would bring us a family that has a desire uh, and a passion for youth. And if that's not it, in October, we'll begin to put a committee together to uh, do a search for a youth pastor. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask for those things, and ask God that, that he would lead us this morning. Let us pray together. <clears throat> God, I'm grateful for you this morning. I'm grateful for your kindness, your goodness to us. And as we sing, your holiness, you are holy. And now, God, we come humbly uh, to your throne and your holiness to submit our supplications, our prayers, and our thanksgiving before you. And we're grateful for the opportunity to do that because of your son, Jesus, who shed his life for us. That gives us the opportunity to enter into your throne of grace. And now, God, we do come before you as we've been doing so faithfully to pray for a youth pastor that you would. Uh, God, uh, first, if there's someone here in this body uh, that knows this body, loves this body, loves this youth, would hear you call them to that um, pastoral position to care uh, for the youth of this church. But God, if that is not the case for us, if that is not who you have for us, then we are asking that you would bring a new family in that has a passion for you and a passion for for students. And if that's not the case, God, then I pray that you'd pour out your wisdom onto us as a body as we put together a team of people to go and begin to search for someone that is out there. That we may not know, that they do not know us, but you're preparing us for them and them for us. So lead us, guide us, and provide for us. We're grateful for your provision already. So we ask that you would continue to provide in a mighty way. And now, God, again, we humble ourselves as we come to your word, your inerrant, inspired, infallible word, that we would ask that it would do what only it can do. It would pierce the soul and divide the sin from our lives. It would both encourage us, it would equip us, it would rebuke us, and it would compel us to go into a, a lost world to bring a message of hope. You tell us in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, let us be salt and light in the world. The only way to be salt and light is to, to be immersed through your holy word. So give us a passion for you, a passion for your word, and a passion for the world. Lead us, guide us, give us hope and promise through your word this morning. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. I was out, but again, Jared did an amazing job last week filling in for me in Luke chapter 15. Uh, walking us through uh, the prodigal son or uh, the, the prolific God um, that he is, the great God that he is. So, Jared, thank you for filling in for me. Uh, I was blessed listening Sunday on our drive home. But here we are. We're in Luke chapter 11. Uh, over the next several weeks, we are going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is recorded both in Matthew's account and Luke's account. Many scholars believe it's two different places, uh, two different times that the Lord was teaching his disciples. Uh, the, the prayers are very similar, though Matthew's account is longer. Uh, we will add to this account using Matthew's account um, where, where it talks about one of the petitions that uh, Luke has um, graciously left out. But I will cover that because I think it's important in that account um, in, a, in a few weeks. Um, but, but here we are. We have been uh, asking God to teach us to pray. And we, uh, a few Wednesday nights ago, uh, for me, the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to me in that moment and said, 
hey, let's teach the people and I'll teach you how to pray. How can we be dependent on the Lord? Our dependency on the Lord will reveal our prayer life. And so as Jared read, and we'll read it again, it said this, now Jesus is in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said to them, when you pray. So here's where we'll just take a snapshot of what happened. Here Jesus is throughout the Gospels. You see powerful moments that Jesus is healing people and uh, bringing people to life and walking on water and breaking bread and feeding 5,000 people. And there's these miraculous things happening through the life of Jesus. But throughout the Gospels, you see, after those miraculous events, it says this, that Jesus would withdraw to a quiet place and pray. So the disciples, what we said a few weeks ago, were observing this interaction with God as they're uh, seeing this powerful movement of Jesus. And they made the connection, prayer must be the thing that is allowing Him to do these miraculous events. So they say to him, and we see something in your life, we see something with how you pray, and when you pray, God use you in mighty ways. Teach us to pray that way. And so I believe the disciples were observing him praying that moment. He finishes, it says one of them came to them, and I believe that one of them came to uh, speak on behalf of the other 11 disciples and said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And now Jesus gives us a model to pray. This is a model that Christ is sharing with us how we are to pray. This is not the only way to pray, but this is a model for us to pray. That model started with what he says in verse 2. And we looked at it two weeks ago, the word Father. The word Father reminds us of this. It reminds us that we do have a good Father. And as a good Father, we can come to Him with dependence that He will supply all that we need. Maybe not all that we want, but we can be assured that He will supply us with all that we need. We said two things in that uh, sermon. The two things that we can come to to God as our Father is this. We can come to Him with confidence. We have confidence because of who God is as our Father. With confidence, we can come and be assured that He will give us exactly what we need. That's what good fathers do. The next thing that we said is we must approach Him with reverence. Not just confidence, but reverence. And we're going to get into the reverence part this morning. Because that's what Jesus says. Let us know who we're praying to. We're not praying to this far off God. We're praying to an intimate God that has intimate relationship with us so much so that that intimate relationship looks like a father to son or father to daughter relationship. So we can approach God that way. But then Jesus moves right into the next few words that we're going to look at this morning. As much as he's our father, we must remember who God is. And in approaching God as our Father, we must come to God with what? Reverence. Which means we must approach to Him with what He says. Hallowed be your 
name. You see, what we'll see in the next few weeks is there's five petitions here in this account of the prayer. In Matthew's account, there's six petitions or six requests. And this is the first petition or the first request that Jesus is saying to us. One of the requests, before you get into anything else, we must request what? That God's name be holy. And then that God's kingdom will come. And then that God will give us daily bread. And then that God will forgive us of our sins. And then that God will lead us out of temptation. But we see the first two, if you add Matthew, the first three petitions are not about us at all. Jesus doesn't come and teach us how to pray and make it about us. Who does Jesus make our prayer lives about? God. He's pushing us to see who God truly is. And the first thing that he says is this. That we must come and we must ask God as a petition that his name be holy in our prayer life. And so the first test in your prayer life and my prayer life is this. Is your prayer life pointing you and pointing others to the holiness of God? Because that's our first petition. And so I would submit to you this morning, we must look closely at those two words that Jesus says to us in making God's holiness known, we must understand the name of God. And then we must understand what it means to be hallowed or holy. What did those two things, what is Jesus wanting us to understand? So let's look first at the name of God. He says, Father, hallowed be what? Your name. In R.C. Sproul's little book on prayer, he shares this story at the very beginning of, the book, of this chapter of his book. He shares this story that when he was a professor, a seminary professor at a seminary, he would go in the first day of class and ask the students this question. If you were to make a country or make a nation, what would be the top 10 laws that you would require of your nation? What are the top 10? If you were going to set the trajectory of a nation and how to form a nation to act as a nation, what would you petition for? The sanctity of life? Would we come together and say, hey, the, the thing we, we got to talk about first, let's get abortion on the table. Would we talk about race? Would we talk about sexuality? What are the things, if we were going to make a nation, what were the things that we would discuss? Well, God did that in Exodus. It's called the Ten Commandments. The, the nation of Israel were led out of captivity to become what he had promised, a mighty nation. And then Moses goes before God and God says, hey, this is how this nation must act with me and with one another. That's the Ten Commandments. Half the commandments are your interaction with God and half your commandments are interaction with one another. What's one of the Ten Commandments? Commandment number three is what? We shall not take the Lord, we should not use his name in vain. Now, that wouldn't make the top three in my list. Like, it might slide in at like number 25. 
But God is saying to his people, hey, the top thing, the top three, at least the top three, my name must not come out of your lips in a profane way. Because why? My name matters. So God himself, when he made a nation, said, hey, my name matters and my name must matter to you. So I would say, and I would submit to you this morning, if God himself makes the top three commandments, number three out of the gates is his name, we have to look at it. It must be super important to him. Which I would ask, is it super important to us? Here's what's true about God's name. In Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, does it, do you know what it says? If if we use God's name in vain, what ought to happen to us? What will happen to us? It says that we must take that person out and stone them to death. Like if we are not to hallowed God's name, if we are to profane God's name or use God's name in vain, the law around that was death. Now think about how many people, myself included, would be dead already if that were still the case today. We use God's name in flippant ways. I think because we don't understand what names truly meant in the Old Testament. Here's what, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. The psalmist understood how important the name of God was. Psalm chapter 8 begins this way. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is what? Your name in all the earth. Verse 9 says this, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Chapter 9, verse 2 says this, I will be glad to exalt you. I will sing of what? Your praise to your name, O Most High. Chapter 9, verse 5 says this, We must, we, we must exalt your name. It says this in verse 10. In verse 10, he says this. And those who know what your name put their trust in you. And over and over in the book of Psalms alone, we see the name of God and the importance of God. But I believe we don't fully understand the importance of the name of God. Now, I don't say this to uh, bring shame on anyone, myself included, but I think it's how we've grown up naming our own children. Some of us name them after superstars, a basketball player, a football player. Some of us name our kids after other people in our family. Some of us name them after TV stars, musicians, and on and on we go. Some of us, we name our kids just because we simply like the name. But when you look throughout the Old Testament, that's not how they would name people. Everyone that was named in the Old Testament, it came with a very meaningful name. Over and over and over and over and over and over, you see that. Just pick one name in the Old Testament and read what does the name mean. Every name in the Old Testament revealed two things, the nature and the character of the person. And so what God is saying to us in his own name reveals to us his character, his nature, who he is. 
so much so that the people of the Old Testament, they were terrified. They would not even speak the name of God out loud. They had such a reverence for the name of God. They would not even speak his name out loud. And over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see who God truly is, and he reveals it to us through his name. His character is revealed through the names of God. Here's just a few. We have seen in the Old Testament, in Genesis, the name Yahweh. That means the Lord. We, we see the name Adonai. That means the Lord God, the Master, the Creator, the Sovereign One. We see Elohim as God the Father, God the Creator. We, we see it, this last two weeks ago, God was given the name Abba, which means Daddy. We see God referred to as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And over and over and over again, we see the names of God revealed to us. So what makes God's name so important to us? The reason that we do not profane the name of God is because when we profane the name of God, what are we doing? We are profaning the character of God. Which is saying to us, we don't truly believe in who we are calling God if we are profaning the name of God. And so what Jesus is saying to us and teaching us how to pray is, hey, when you pray, you must have a proper understanding of who God is. My great fear for us is this. We don't truly know who God is. We've heard about God. We've been taught about God. But we don't know God. So you can, I can teach you a lot about a lot of people, but that doesn't mean you ever know them. Again, this is up for debate, but the greatest basketball player to ever live was Michael Jordan. I could teach you all the facts about God. But if I say, hey, raise your hand if you've ever met, ever had dinner, and have ever been in the presence of Michael Jordan and know him and he knows you, not many people would raise their hand. So we know a lot about Michael Jordan, but we don't really know him and he doesn't really know us. My fear is that would be true for you and for me about God. We know a lot about God, but we don't truly know God. We have not had an experience with God that he's revealed those characteristics about himself to us. My prayer is this, for us as a church, if you are a believer, that you would continue to go to God and ask God that he would reveal himself more and more and more and more to you. Because in the second part of the prayer, will come so naturally to you. We read it, hallowed be your name, but we got to understand his name and understand what it means to hallowed the name. The word hallowed means this. It means to be holy or to set apart. So what Jesus is saying, when we understand the name of God, then we come to, to God and we ask that God's name be set apart in our lives and the characteristics of God be set apart in our life. The, the, the goodness of God, the character of God, his provisions, everything about God that we'd understand that would be so set apart, so sacred for us. Jesus is telling us that when we truly see and know God, we will see his holiness 
we will see that he's been set apart. And there was no one else like him. There is no other God that is like God. But do we know that about God? One writer says it this way. Hallowed be your name means this. To make yourself known as the Holy One that you are. So Jesus is saying to us in this prayer, God, make yourself known as the Holy One to us before we get into any other petition. You see, because if we go to God and we understand who God is and we understand the holiness of God, then the other ones will just flow out of that. We'll understand that He's going to give us His daily bread. We're going to understand that He is going to forgive us. He's going to give us the ability to forgive others and He's not going to lead us into temptation. If we truly understand God's holy character. Because when we understand God's holy character, we will be like Isaiah in chapter 6. Turn with me there for a moment. This is the moment too, and has a vision of the Lord. And in the vision of the Lord, it says this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In that year, the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe, all that the robe, meaning the glory of the Lord, is what Isaiah is speaking about. That the glory of the Lord, or the robe, filled the temple. That God's glory filled the entire temple. And above him, this is God, stood the seraphim, each with six wings. Two he covered his face, because they couldn't even look at the glory of God. Two covered their feet. And two, with two of them, they flew. And one called to another. What did they call one to another? What was the song that these angels are singing in the presence of God? Part, set apart, set apart. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold of the temple shook at the voice of him who called and said and it said this the house is filled with smoke or filled with the glory of God and this is Isaiah's response to being in the presence of a holy God watch his response and this must be our response every time that we come in prayer to God the holy one he said Isaiah said woe is me for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. See, what Isaiah understood was this. When you and I enter into the presence of God through prayer, we're entering into the holy of holies, and it ought to drive us to our face to cry out, holy, holy, holy. And the more of God's holiness is revealed to you and me, the more our sinfulness will be revealed to us. And in His holiness, and it reveals our sin, it will lead us to ongoing confession because our sin is what keeps us away from the Lord. But it will also remind us 
as we'll see in John 17 in the closing, that as much as our sin separates us from God, being in Christ Jesus in the name of God, being in us and through us because of Christ Jesus, we even have the ability to get into the throne room of God. But the more we come to God, the more we understand the holiness of God, the, under, the better we understand ourselves and our sinfulness. God may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is the eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4, I've glorified you on earth. I've accomplished all the work that you have given me to do. And now, God, now, Father, glorify me in your own presence in the glory that I have with you before the world existed. And then look what he says as he prays. He's saying, God, get the glory. God, get the glory. I've accomplished all that you've given me to accomplish. Look what Jesus says. As he's praying, I have manifested what? Your name to your people. He's saying, all the works that I've done on earth, and all the works that I'm about to do on the cross, I've done it for what? Your namesake. Everything I've done is for the glory of your name, Father. Having manifested your name to your people, whom you gave me out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they, now they know that everything that you have given to me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave to me. And they have received, they have received them and have come to know in truth that I have come from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. Yours are mine. And I glorify, I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, what? Keep them in what? Your name. He's crying out for us to be kept in the name or the character of God. I'm giving them to you. They may be kept in your name that you have given me. And I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except, to, except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm speaking to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word. And the word has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them. How are we going to be kept? He just told us, keep them from the evil one. We are going to be kept from the evil one in the character or the goodness of God. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is your truth. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but those who, who will believe in me 
through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also might be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that has been given to me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Now look how he ends his prayer. Right before he gets betrayed, right before he gets arrested, right before he gets beaten, right before he goes to the cross, right before he dies, he says this, O righteous Father, even the world does not know me, I know you. These know that you have sent me. I have made known to them, what? Your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I am you. The way he ends his prayer right before the cross is he says this, I want to make your name known. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. Jesus understood what it meant for him, Jesus, the Son of God, to hallowed the name of God. My question is this as I started the message. Is this, do we simply know about God? Do, have we simply just heard about God? Or will we say, in closing, turn with me to Job chapter 45. If you know the story of Job, Job is the righteous man who, or 42, excuse me, Job, turn with me to Job 42. Job is the man that, he uh, was a righteous man, and Satan came and said to God, he's only righteous because you've given him everything. And then God says to Satan, take everything away. So in a moment, you see throughout the life of Job, everything is taken from Job. Now remember, he's a righteous man. And then his friends come, and they begin to have this conversation for the next 40-some chapters about how Job has been doing these things, these things wrong with his relationship with the Lord. But then in verse 40, or chapter 40 and 41, and 40 and 41, the Lord is speaking to Job. And then Job in 42 makes this confession. He begins to confess to God. Now he says this in verse 42, chapter 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ears. I've heard all about you. I was blameless. I heard everything about you. I heard about your goodness. I heard about your kindness. I heard about your righteousness. I heard about your holiness. I heard all about your character. But then when you stripped everything from me, and you and I had this conversation and then I came to repentance. He says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ears. 
but now my eyes see you. My prayer is this for us as a church, that we wouldn't simply hear about the holiness of God, but we would say as Job says in closing, I have heard all about you, but oh, now in my prayer life, I see you, God. May we as his church come to him. Father, hallowed be your name. When we know the righteousness, the holiness, and the character of God, and would our prayer life reflect that. Let us pray. God, you truly are holy. Despite what the world says, despite what the skeptics say, the agnostics, the atheists, other religions say, you are holy. I pray that you would continue to reveal your holiness to us as you reveal more and more of your character to us. Make yourself known as the Holy One that you are. Pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Made your name holy. All that he did, all that he said. If you're here this morning, you have not come to faith and understand the holiness of God and all that he did for you. I'd love to share the greatest gift that God has ever given to us, his son Jesus, that reveals to us the holiness and the character of God. If you're here this morning, and you're struggling with that, to make God's name holy, the altars are open through confession and repentance to make his name holy. Let's stand for this closing worship and the benediction.